Hi, good morning, everyone. How has your week been? Good, yeah, about quite a few of you had a good week. Now, uh, I had a bad torture for 10 days. And last Saturday night, I halfway, 8 o'clock service, you know, my voice was just getting worse and worse. I, I was worried that the next morning, that's last Sunday morning, I would have no voice in it evening in Butterworth, but uh, I managed to pull through, but the, the throat was still bad, you know, until about 10 days. And then on Tuesday, you know, slowly it went off, and I'm so glad because I can eat toze again, you know. I can eat uh, a bit of spicy food because, you know, in Penang, you cannot live without spicy food now. All right, now who remembers, uh, besides the fact I had a sore throat, who remembers uh, what was the sermon about last week? What was the topic or the text? Any of you, wave to me if you remember something, okay? Only Pastor Justin remember. I uh, wasted all my time, you know, preparing, 20 hours of preparing, and then, you know, you don't even remember the topic or the text. You remember who preached or not? Yeah, uh, yeah at least you remember that, okay? At least not all wasted then. <laughs> okay. All right, let's do a quick review because uh, I'm doing a two-part series. This is, today is the second part. So last week, we had Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. And let's repeat the phrase again. I said it so many times and still didn't stick. Okay, let's try one more time. Let's go one more time. A life that fears and honors God is blessed. One more time. A life that fears and honors God is blessed. And the word honor, the Lord with, your, with the first fruits of your increase, the word honor actually means weight. It means giving somebody their proper respect because of their weight, because they are, you know, like a heavy weight. And I'm sure you remember what was the weight of Pastor Thomas, right? Those of you who came last week, huh? it is a heavy weight, you know. Don't play, play, you know, <laughs> all right? But God is the super heavyweight in the sense that He's the one who deserves our highest respect and honor. That's why we give the first and the best to Him. And the main purpose of doing that, according to uh, Deuteronomy 14, 23, is so that we may learn to fear Him always and respect Him as our real owner, and when we do not do that, we are basically, you know, disrespecting Him in the sense that, you know, we, we can give Him our leftovers. And we know that in order to give someone the first and the best, you have to plan seriously. You have to, you know, take out your budget and work it out so that, you know, you know that you are, you are doing your best. And that's why, you know, I showed you this chart. This is a the budget of someone who honors and fears God, where, you know, the first 10% goes to God, you know, through his local church, and then the, the next 10% is for savings, and we ask God to help us to manage all the rest of our living expenses with the other 80%, okay? So the 10-10-80 formula. And we, we prepare meticulously in such a way that you know, uh, before, the, before the month, you know, ends, we, we take home an envelope and we get ready so that the moment we receive our increase, our pay, we get ready, we, we write our name, we write the amount, and then we write our check if you like to write checks, you know, or, you know, you prepare to do online if you are doing online, or if you prefer cash, you know, you get ready and make sure that the first weekend of the month comes, you're all ready. And so that is the attitude of preparing yourself to give our first, our first and best to God. And when we do that, we actually magnify His worth. We are saying, God, you are worth. You are worth it. You are worth my best effort. You are worth the best that I can give. And when we magnify God that way, we actually see Him as He really is. We see Him as the one who is more than able to provide for all our needs. And our faith increases. We activate our faith when we act that way. Otherwise, we, our faith remains dormant, even though God has deposited faith into our hearts. Okay? So, now, giving that 
to God is really an expression of trust also because the Proverbs, the most well-known part of that proverb, uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 1 to 12, is verse 5 and 6 that says, Trust in the Lord. With how much of your heart? With all of your heart. The reason why we do this is because we trust God. And because we don't want to be wise in our own ways. We don't want to lean on our own understanding. I know some of you will say, uh, Pastor Isaac, you know, it's easier said than done. Now look at this chart. I mean, look at this budget. How am I, so, how am I going to squeeze all the red box living expenses into that blue box called vegetable take-home pay? Because by the time the government takes the tax, by the time the company takes the deduction, you know, by the time I pay off my, my bills for my house, my car, you know, for my telephone, for my Astro, for my, this, for my dad, you know, tuition here, you know, and that uh, for the children. There's nothing much left. How, how am I going to manage all this? Uh, and if you, if you realize you need help, uh, you are not alone, really, because we, we come across people who say, you know, need some help. And help is available. And so this morning, I want to announce to you good news. The next round of our money life is coming up. Season number six. This course from Crown Financial is a great resource. It's a personal finance study. And by God's providence, we also have the instructor in town. So let's welcome Yokti as he comes and shares with us. And just, you know, uh, maybe you can come this side so it's more visible. All right. Uh, Yokti, this is going to be the sixth season. Yes. And what are they going to learn if they, they commit this kind of time? You, you are going to experience a journey to discover how the Lord will uh, entrust you the money that He gives you. So this journey is, um, it builds up, uh, it's supposed to be 10 weeks. This mm. is the material. Thick file. Huh? Mm. A lot to read, a lot to understand about the God's words. And we also have the DVD to help you to understand a little bit of the, 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 uh, the course outline. There's also a textbook for you to, to understand the worst financial mistakes in the Bible. Hmm. So there are a lot of things in the Bible talk about money. Uh, and Crown started this quite some time ago. So the, the course outline has... Uh, I, I've changed a little bit uh, for the Asian context. Yeah. This is my 37 uh, Round. rounds wow. okay. in the last five years. So five years, 30, 36 rounds, uh, 37 rounds is actually quite a lot. And uh, the, the first topic we talk about if you want to do the course, you need to depend on God. If you do not depend on God, you will be on your own. On your own, just like myself years ago, nobody taught us mm. how to manage money when we first make money. Mm. So the problem is that when we started to make money, we become poorer, uh, mm. such as like we start to have more debt. And at one point, we got so stressed out, we got into trouble. So, in the statistics of Malaysia, we, every year we have a lot of people, hundreds of thousands of people got into the credit card debt, hmm. especially the young people. That was what happened when I was younger. So, hmm. I, we will have a plan for you how to overcome that. Wow. Um, we, we also teach you how to do planning and budgeting and tracking. So. Uh, we saw it's the tracking your finances. Yes, we you saw spend. the budgeting just yeah. now. Many people budgeted, but uh, after a few rounds, you don't really want to budget anymore because it doesn't work. Hmm. So we will teach you how to track for one month, and then after that, based on your one month tracking, we will teach you how to budget accordingly for the full year. Hmm. So if you do not know how to budget, if you do not know how to track, please come. Uh, we will teach you how to allocate a portion accordingly. Hmm. So that is uh, planning. 
Um, I also, in the class, we also thought about plan according to season. Um, maybe not, not many of you never heard of this, plan according to your season. season. Like for example, when we come out to work, there's a, a, a time frame uh, before we get promoted and after promoted and then got married, got house, got children. So those are uh, individual seasons. Mm. If you do not know how to plan according to season, you will get into shortage of money all the time. And yeah. at the end of the day, you get stressed out. When you get stressed out, you will make a lot of mistakes, a lot of wrong decisions. Uh, you will cry to God and God will answer you, but it's not solving the root problem. Mm. So that is actually very important. So that, uh, for your information, I, I was a believer when I got about 20s. Uh, make a lot of money and I lost a lot of money hmm. because I do not know how to manage and by the time I reached 33, 34 I got 600,000 debt wow. okay. and uh, I started to get serious with this material hmm. within three weeks I know what was my problem and within three years the Lord cleared my 600,000 debt wow. Wow. Uh, that was uh, about 12 years ago uh, 10 years ago no more debt uh, today uh, married and also uh, have three houses uh, the first house that we bought was 250,000 the second one that we bought was 500 the third one that we bought is 1.6 1.7 million mm. so I, 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 it's not about how much money you can make yeah. it's about the more you are faithful, the mm. Lord will entrust you with more. Amen. So this is found in uh, Matthew 25, the, the parables of gold, mm. right? And we have saving. Uh, most people will come to the course within the first month, they have saving. I have a student called me uh, last year, said, Yoti, I want to share with you something. I want to blunder you for a meal. I say, okay, tell me. Uh, I want to tell you, I got eight months bonus. Wow. So <laughs> these are the things that never heard before, but it's happening. Even a person who come to the course recently, just being faithful, uh, four weeks only, uh, start to share, I have a special bonus that if I stay until end of the year, I will get extra bonus, but don't know how much. And I already got my promotions just last week. Hmm. And I have a lot more. So week after week, you will see when you are sincere, when you are faithful with the word of the Lord, of the God, the Lord will do something in your life. Because He has been looking for the somebody who is willing That's right. to... Uh, to, to, to follow his way and uh, we have investing investing is one of the very very interesting topics um, everybody was given a hundred ringgit to invest and we will teach you how to invest the 100 ringgit so the 100 ringgit you have to come back uh, and report to us how you do it just like we found it in the parables of uh, the, the five bags of gold, three bags of gold. Mm. We also have good work. Good work is about attitude. When you've got the right attitude, when you have the right um, behavior, you'll be attracted to many people. Uh, it, it, is, it is as simple as ABC. But how to have the right attitude? That is the reason why we need to go through a period of slightly longer process for you to form a new behavior. Hmm. Um, then we have generous giving. Um, generosity is something that many people know how to do. Uh, I want to share with you a growing church, a, a growing, a fast-growing church is a church that who has a lot of resources. When you have a lot of resources, means that the Lord, 
the, those people who come are the people who are willing to surrender to the Lord. So that is how it works. Uh, in Taiwan, one of the church, the pastor started this Bible study in year 2012. Their giving started to increase about 20%. Then they continue another year, it increased 50%. Then another year, it increased double. Another year, it increased more and more. It could be the same amount of people, but the growth rate is getting better simply because people know how to manage finances. Mm. Very fast, I want to tell you, if you know how to manage finances according to what the Lord says, you will be given more. Just like the ten goals, everything was given to him. So, we have also um, a topic of talking about how do you teach your next generations. You know, teaching next generations is simple. But applying it and show them how to do, it seems like yeah. difficult or we never done it before. We just tell them, do this, do this, do this, but we ourselves don't do it. So there's a lot of conflict. Uh, it happens at home simply because the things that we know, that means the belief system that we know, the Word of God says this, but the applications, the behavior is completely different. Hmm. So I, want, I have good news for you. If you join the course, you have... Uh, you will be given an assessment. You will know where you stand, your belief system and your behavior. So if you sort out your behavior, then you are... I mean, I hate to say this word, but uh, the world say you will be going towards the road of uh, financial freedom. But it's not about financial freedom. It's, it's like you'll be given more and more and more so that you know how to manage according to what the Lord wants you to do. Hmm. So that is the true riches that we talk about. Amen. And uh, I do hope that you will come and join us. We, yesterday we have about 15 people sign up. Uh, it is an interesting journey. I enjoy doing this. Uh, I'll put all my priority for this course simply because I have found the secret of what the Lord wants. So have you found the secrets of what the Lord wants you to do? Mm. Come and join us. Good. Oh, Thank you. By yeah. the way, uh, we also have... Uh, people will say from what year to what year. Uh, if you want to improve even at the age of 70, 72, 77, it is not too late. We, we have students at that, that kind of uh, uh, age to come. If you ask me, uh, yesterday there are some people asked me, uh, if my son is 18, 19, how can come or not? Uh, if you are willing, the Lord knows what to do. Okay? The Lord really knows what to do because He loves you. So we have a range of people from different age groups. Good. Thank you. Thank you. So as you were listening to this, I'm sure some of you are thinking, I know somebody who needs this. Right, not? I know somebody who needs this. He's in my family. But you know who the person is? It's you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> do sign up. All right. Now, that was last week, and uh, we want to empower you to be able to not just, you know, earn more money, but also to invest it in God's work, in God's kingdom, because the whole point of being blessed is so that we can be a blessing. And, you know, we, we get these reports every now and then, you know, this guy was blessed by our giving through our tithes and offerings we, uh, we share with seven, six churches to reach out to Nepali people in Penang and they were ministered to. So this guy, his name is Ram Narayan 
Chowdhury. He is from the Tauru tribe uh, in blue in Nepal. And he went back recently. Now, this guy was actually in PCC Butterworth in the Nepali Sangati. Okay? He went back and he found out he's the only Christian among 300 families in his village. And he says, I want to start a home fellowship. Can you give God a praise? Amen. So, you know, through our giving, the gospel is going out not only to Penang, but back to their own nations. Another guy from the Pri Sangati goes back and he wants to be a church planter. Okay? He's selling vegetables. Now, so, as I said, you know, it's not just about uh, getting more money. It's actually seeing God's work go forth. And the budget that you see here basically has three aspects. The three maps will summarize it. Firstly, it is in evangelism and church planting that goes to all these countries from, you know, Nepal, Tha uh, Thailand, uh, Vietnam, Sarawak, uh, Timor-Leste. And then for training and equipping, next map, it goes into uh, southwest China, Philippines, as well as uh, in Sabah, the school of Micah. Micah School trains Chinese-speaking young people to go into the villages to serve the poor. The third category has to do with relief works, and uh, I showed you last week of how God has been using this family in South Thailand. We partnered them for the last 20 five years or so, okay? I'm glad that uh, about 90, about 100 people signed up last week for the Missions Faith Promise and we believe more will do so because really, a life that fears and honors God is what? Is blessed. Now, this idea of fearing and honoring God is found throughout the Bible, starting from the very first book. And we're going to go to the book of Genesis, right? Now, Genesis is called the seed plot of the Bible because out of that plot where the seed of different doctrines are sown, we have all the other, you know, all the, the various doctrines grow. Next, next slide, please. Okay, move a little bit faster, right? The, next slide, the seed plot of the Bible, okay? You see that it grows, it grows and we have creation, we have sin, atonement, depravity, grace, sovereignty, responsibility. And Genesis answers the questions that I asked when I was a teenager. Like, where did I come from? I knew I didn't come from the monkeys. There must be a better answer than that. You know, Genesis says, I'm made in the image of God. And why am I here? To have a relationship with God. Now, we find many first things happening in the book of Genesis. For example, you know, first mention of civilization, races, languages, and so on. But as we read our text today, I want to ask you to stand because you've been sitting for a while. We're going to read the first eight verses of Genesis 4. And as we read this text, I want you to look for what are the other first things that happen during this very, very early period in the history of mankind. Are you with me? All right, let's read loud together. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the first fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Let's pray. Father, speak to us now through your word. And let your word produce fruit in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. We give thanks because we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people say, 
Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Now, what is the first that we find here? It ends on a very bad note, right? It's the first case of murder. Okay? But we also have the first mention of somebody who, uh, of, of the couple having marital union. Okay? And conception, childbirth. Here is Eve saying in verse 1, I have acquired a man from the Lord. The word, the name Cain actually means acquired. Okay? Imagine you, you have the name and you go to school and your friend asks, what's your name? Acquired. Huh? What's the name? Acquired. Why? My mother said he, she acquired me from the Lord. You know, that's the story behind Cain. Okay? But what does it tell us? That life is a gift from the Lord. Let's all say it together. Life is a gift from the Lord. Now, even with all our medical science today, you know, there's only a limit to what medical science can do to help a couple conceive. You know? I mean, those of you who know people who are in that situation, right? But we have to simply respect that God gave us the ability to procreate, but even then, we cannot take anything for granted. Now, we also have the first time we have the mention of uh, somebody rearing animals for a living. But most important, the first time we see the mention of offering in the context of worship. Notice the word offering is first mentioned here. Verse 3, verse 4. Okay? Cain brought an offering. Okay? And God did not respect his offering. But God respected the offering of Abel. So here we see worship. Very basic idea of worship is ascribing honor and majesty to God the Creator. This is very central to our lives as God's people. And how did this take place? Maybe the artist can help us visualize. Here we have uh, yeah, majesty and uh, central to God, God's people. Just move a little bit faster, thank you. All right. So, right. Can you tell who is Cain and who is Abel? Just look at what they are carrying, right? So that's a, a visual clue there. Okay. Now, when they came to offer, it says God respected, which, and the word uh, in Hebrew is sha'ah, which means God looked upon or God paid attention to. It's like, you know, God looked at Abel and his offering. God did not even look at Cain, and he was very upset. I ask you, why did God treat them differently? Is it because Abel offered something that had blood in it? Not likely, because you, you know, that is, I mean, that has been a possible explanation, but when you consider Leviticus chapter 2, God said, you know, bring the grain, bring the oil as a worship Right? So, what's wrong with that? In fact, Cain was doing the same thing as his father Abel, uh, Adam, you know, which is tilling the ground, tending the garden. Okay? So, we can be sure that it's not because you know, Cain had the wrong occupation and therefore produced the wrong stuff you know, to bring to God. The only explanation is that when we see a comparison of the two offerings in verse 3, look at verse 3 now, forward, we see that, yeah, as far as Abel's offering is concerned, there are two adjectives used to describe his offering. What is it? Firstborn and fat. Right? The word fat means the best part. Now, those of you who eat siu bak, huh? roast pork, you know that's true, right? If you don't eat the fat part, what's for? Lah? Why you want to eat? <laughs> you know, the best part is the oily, oily part, so to speak, right? Ancient cultures knew that, you know what I mean? Uh, they, they honor people by giving the first and best. And sometimes when we go mission trip to the, you know, indigenous people, they will offer us the fat because they say, you are the man of God, you know. Oh, dear me, you know. It's like, <laughs> give me the lean meat, you know. <laughs> but we cannot offend them. Because that's the understanding. From ancient times, the, the fat is the best. <laughs> okay? That's how you say amen, you know. <laughs> All right? So, this was Abel's offering. 
But you look, go back one, one slide again, and you see by comparison, you look and see what is the Cain's offering. There's no description. No, no, uh, the verse, the verse. Uh, next slide, right. Cain brought an offering of the fruit. That's all. There's no adjective, no qualifier. It's just fruit. It could be any old fruit, you know, just pick up along the way, right? So you can see from the comparison that Abel offered to God the best, the fat, and the first of his flock. Next slide, okay? The first and the best. Why? Because God deserves our first and best. Let's all say it together. God deserves our first and best. And, you know, He knew instinctively. We don't read of any, any instruction given to them that this is the way it has to be done, okay? And I believe these two offerings actually reveal the attitude of the offerer, the worshipper. Because my attitude toward money and how I use money especially in worshipping God, reveals my attitude toward God. Actually, my, the way I spend money is a reflection of my attitude towards God, generally. Okay? And when we give God our first and best, we have to plan it carefully. We cannot do it haphazardly. You, know? you cannot say, I want to give God my first and best, and then you come to the worship service, and then the offering back comes around, and then you say, Ayo, what do I have? Pull out your wallet. And you look for the right note. For some people, the right note is the smallest note. For some people, it's the middle note. For some people, it's the largest note, right? But then you say, oh yeah, today no big note. Lah. I want to give God the best, lah, but sorry, I only have ones lah, and fives and tens. So, you know, you're not prepared. You, you, you have to prepare if you want to give God the first and the best, right? So to give God our first and best, we need to plan it carefully ahead of time. We need to put it into the first part of our monthly budget. And that's why we, we showed you, you know, first part of our monthly budget. Plan it carefully, okay? Plan it carefully. That's why we, we showed you that budget where you give God the first part, right? And then after that comes all the rest, savings. If you don't make a plan, then it's not going to happen. So this is what Abel did. He went among his flock and he looked for the first and the best, the fattest you know, animals that were born. And this is significant because, you know, what does a rancher earn? What is his income? A farmer who tills the ground, he gets harvest different times of the year, right? Different crops. But for those who raise animals, unless you raise rabbits, you only get one harvest a year because that's when the animals produce offspring. Are you with me? Right? Once a year, they will be on heat and then they will mate and then you wait many months and then they start to produce young. And when they produce young, it's payday for you. The farmer looks forward. He wonders how many First, how many you know newborns will I have? Okay, so now imagine this farmer. He has one or two or three, and then he picks out the, the fattest, you know, the nicest, and he says, "Okay, I want to give God my first and best." And he takes two of his choice animals, newborn, and he brings it to God. Now, what if on that year he only had? 10 newborns. He's already given two, which means he's given 20%, right? What if there were only five newborns that year? He would have given 40%, right? And he, he might say, oh, yo, I shouldn't give so much. I just want to give 10%. But you don't see this attitude when Cain just walked through his field and his animals and he looked for the first and the best and he says, God, you're worthy. I want to give you this. I'm not worried about, you know, whether uh, I will have 10 or 20 or 30 animals this year, okay? But we don't see this attitude reflected by the quality of the offering in Cain because Cain's heart was not in his offering. Our outward action reveals 
the intent of our heart. And God knows our hearts. Can you say amen? You and I cannot see the heart. God sees the heart. You see, in worship, we declare with our mouths that God is actually worthy of the highest honor. Can you say amen? Come on, amen? He's the only one. The highest honor. But the question is this. Do the way I manage my finance and do the way I give say the same thing? Or does it actually say, God, you are not so worthy after all because I put many other things ahead of you. I take care of all these things first before I come and honour you. So, this story is the first story of man coming to God in worship. And it has a very significant meaning because this idea of giving the first and best is then fleshed out along the way in the book of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and you know, all throughout, all the way into the New Testament. And finally, we get a comment on this story in Hebrews 11 verse 4. Many, many thousands of years later, the author of Hebrews writes in verse 4, chapter 11, By faith, Abel brought God, let's all say, what's that? A better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. He is still speaking. Wow, what a legacy of faith. How long has it been since Abel died? Thousands of years, and he's still speaking. And you and I are still listening to a sermon about his offering. Okay? I preach a 40-minute sermon, and next week, nobody remembers. <laughs> Three people remember the title. All right? <laughs> Some remember it was Pastor Isaac after all. Okay. But thousands of years after Abel offered his offering to God, we are still talking about it. Why? Because it was done in faith. It was done with his whole heart. Because he offered his first and his best and God commended him and God said, I am very happy with your offering. This is marvellous. You know, we live in a, a, a world where everything will be forgotten very fast. Okay? Very fast. Whatever you do, next month, next year, nobody will even remember it. But the only things that God remembers <laughs> are the things that please His heart, in that sense. And the only thing that can be passed down is a legacy of faith is what we do for God by honouring Him with our lives. And that's the example we will pass on. Now, this kind of worship really is just a response of gratitude from our hearts. God's people have expressed this in many ways. Psalm 116, verse 12, 17, 18. What shall I return to the Lord for all His goodness to me? Now, how many of you can wave to me and say, I have experienced some of God's goodness. Come on, wave to me. I've experienced God's goodness. Yeah, all of us here, right? We have experienced goodness. And he says, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you. Now, when he says sacrifice, he's not saying just lips. Huh? He's talking about animal in this context, okay? A costly animal. And call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. So, true biblical worship that is pleasing to God can never be half-hearted. Like Cain, you know. Just walk along the field, then, you know, just pick up whatever is there. In fact, this is biblical worship. You say, Pastor, all that Old Testament stuff, you know. Show me something New Testament. Okay, Romans 12, 1. Here is true biblical worship. Cannot be half-hearted. This is what Paul says. You want to be a worshipper? 
Okay. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. How many of you have experienced God's mercy before? Come on, wave to me. Yes? All right. So he says what? Offer your credit card. Okay, I give one. I can still, I still have another one. Huh? Offer your car. Is that what he says? Offer your house. No. Offer your bank account. You still have another bank account. <laughs> he says what? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So true and proper worship is something that is done with our whole hearts. Now let me ask you, after you offer your body, what do you have left? What do you have left? With nothing left. Because your body is a sum total of your existence, right? So, this is the kind of worship that God deserves. And there are two fundamental truths, and I'm bringing this to a close, okay? From this first story of worship in the Bible, Genesis 4. Number one, life is a gift from the Lord. Let's all say this together. Life is a gift from the Lord. And second, worship is a gift to the Lord. Okay? And the unfortunate thing about this story is that it already happened, it happens after the fall. It means by then the serpent had already come to the garden, deceived Eve. Adam also ate the fruit, and mankind had already fallen into sin. And sin has distorted everything that God has given to us in a sense that now Cain had devalued worship. You know, he just did it without giving his heart. And later, he would devalue human life. He would not acknowledge these two fundamental truths. He failed to appreciate God's gift of life because he would devalue it by killing his brother. And he also failed to appreciate the gift of worship by diminishing it. So, what's the application? When we appreciate life as a gift from God, it should cause us to worship Him with our lives. Can you say amen? Amen? Worship is only meaningful when we declare that God is worthy. Next slide, please. It's only meaningful when we declare that God is worthy by giving Him our first and best in our time, talent, and finances. This is the kind of worship that the Bible teaches us. And we do it because we say, Lord, even my life comes from you. And my life must be a worship unto you. And this is true at every stage of our life. Whether you are just a student or in college or your first job or whether you are newly married or struggling with raising young children you know, establishing your career, being busy, you know, in life and conference, conference calls and traveling. Or then you have teenagers, oh, teenagers, you know. And, or when you are retired and you now say, I can now let go, but then you still got to take care of your parents, you know, right? Or when finally, even your parents have gone on and now you only have to think of yourself, at every stage of your life, this is also true, that we declare that God is worthy. That's worship, by giving Him our first and best. And it's a fallacy that I hear. You know, pastor, when I reach the next stage of life, no matter what stage you're in, when I reach the next stage of life, ah, I have a bit of relax, you know, I... I, I will tithe, I will serve, I use my talents for his church, for his kingdom. If you're a teenager, you say, uh, if you're a young adult, you say, oh, when I am married with children, you know, when you're married with children, you say, oh, when I am, I have teenage children. When you're teenage children, you say, oh, when I have no more children at home, you know. It's always the next stage that you look forward to when you will actually be able to give your best, so to speak. I want you to know that that stage will never come. That stage will never 
come. It's not even biblical to think like that. And then there are some older people who say, I passed the stage, Pastor Isaac. <laughs> I have done my part. <laughs> I have been very active. Now let other people do it. It's their turn. I want to say to you this. We never retire from serving God. Amen. In fact, if you are retired, you don't have to work for a living. That's the best time <laughs> of your life. And so, as I come to this conclusion, uh, I want to just show you a, a seven-minute clip of a sermon that John Piper preached to 40,000 young people in the U.S. in the year 2000, which I think is relevant to us today, no matter what age group you are in, because the effect of this speech or sermon has impacted so many people in that generation, their parents, their children. So I want you to pay attention this next seven minutes because it's a very important message as I draw this to a close. Let's run it. You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. People that make a difference in the world are not people who have mastered a lot of things. They are people who have been mastered by a very few things that are very, very great. If you want your life to count, you don't have to have a high IQ and you don't have to have a high EQ. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to have good looks. You don't have to be from a good family or from a good school. You just have to know a few basic, simple, glorious, majestic, obvious, unchanging, eternal things and be gripped by them and be willing to lay down your life for them. Which is why anybody in this crowd can make a worldwide difference. Because it isn't you. It's what you're gripped with. But one of the really sad things about this moment right now is that there are hundreds of you in this crowd who do not want your life to make a difference. All you want is to be liked. Maybe finish school, get a good job, find a husband or a wife, a nice house, a nice car, long weekends, good vacations, grow old healthy, have a fun retirement, die easy, no hell. And that's all you want. And you don't give a rip whether your life counts on this earth for eternity. And that's a tragedy in the making. That is a tragedy in the making. About three weeks ago, we got news at our church that Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon. Ruby Eliason, over 80, single all her life, a nurse, poured her life out for one thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the sick and the poor in the hardest and most unreached places. Laura Edwards, a medical doctor in the Twin Cities, and then in retirement, partnering up with Ruby, also pushing 80, 
and going from village to village in Cameroon. And the brakes give way. Over a cliff they go. And they're dead instantly. And I asked my people, is this a tragedy? Two women in their 80s, almost, a, a whole life devoted to one idea, Jesus Christ magnified among the poor and the sick in the hardest places. And 20 years after most of their American counterparts had begun to throw their lives away on trivialities in Florida and New Mexico, fly into eternity with a death in a moment. Is this a tragedy, I asked. It is not a tragedy. I'll read you what a tragedy is. I've got a little article here from Reader's Digest. You don't read Reader's Digest, I know that. But there is a generation who does. This is a tragedy. Title of the article, Start Now, Retire Early. February 1998. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. And there are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars to get you to buy it. And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. The American dream. A nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement, collecting shells as the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account with what you did. Here it is, Lord, my shell collection. Look, Lord, my shell collection. And I've got a good swing. And look at my boat. God, look at my boat, God. Well, not for Ruby and not for Laura. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it. It's a heart-hitting message that had a powerful effect on the hearers. And why is that so? Because the message that's still very relevant, no matter your age, your culture, don't waste your life following what the culture of our day tells us. Make a lot of money, enjoy life, and just take it easy. Why? Because retirement from serving in God's kingdom is not biblical. Because if at the end of our lives, all we have is something that we did for ourselves, instead of what we have done for God's glory, then we have wasted our life. Now, I know there are many of our people who are in the 50s and 60s. I'm in the category, by the way. Okay? Reasonably healthy. You know what? We are in the prime of our life still. And it's going to be a waste if we just take it easy and say we have done our part, let the next generation do it. Why? Because we're going to take the rich wisdom and life experience and faith to the grave. 
All we have done is influence our own children, hopefully. But there's so much more we can do to make a difference. So it would be a tragedy if all we have done is accomplish something for ourselves. So let me sum up the, the lesson of the Genesis 4. Life is a gift from the Lord. Let's all say this together. Life is a gift from the Lord. Number two, worship is a gift to the Lord, which is a response to the gift of God. Okay? I want to say that Abel's life was a gift from the Lord. And Abel's worship was a gift to the Lord. And it pleased God so much that God made sure that that act of worship was recorded because he honoured God with his first and best. And because of that, Abel's life and Abel's worship was not wasted. He did not waste his life because his life still speaks to us today, even after thousands of years when lots of other things have been forgotten, almost everything. Why is that so? Because, I said last week, a life that fears and honours God is what? It's blessed. That's the kind of life I want to live. And so, I want to challenge you. If you have not start, started to do this, start with a tithe. This is the first step that says, God, you deserve my first and best. I am going to honour you with my first and best. And then, as God blesses you, you will realise you actually have more than what you need. And then take the next step. Go into missions, faith, promise, giving, so that, you know, together we can touch the nations. And if you didn't get the platform, you can still do so. And you can get it from the counter at the back. Anytime over these few weeks, just, you know, fill it in and drop it in, right? And in that way, we can touch the nations. Go on to the next step. Join hands with God to touch the nations. And beyond that, serve God with our time and with our talents because all that is basically our response to God for His gift of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your powerful Word to us. And we ask that as we have received the gift of life, that our response will also please you. That our response will be giving you our first and best in every area of our lives, not just our finance, but also our time, our energy, our experience, our talents. And so, as we bow in God's presence, I believe God has spoken to many of us here. And your response to God is, God, I want to give you my first and best. And maybe for some of you here, that first and best, the first step of it is to return to God your tithe, your first and best portion to your local church. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. You tell God right now. It's between you and God. As our heads are bowed, you just tell God, God, that's my commitment to you. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. And maybe for some of us, it may mean to go beyond that. To partner with God in missions and together with our local church, touch the nations. And if that's you, would you say, yes, Lord, that's me. And maybe for some others, it means giving your time because you have already given your first and best in your finances and you're saying, God, surely you are more important to me than this. I want to give you not the leftovers of my time. I want to give you time in terms of serving you, in serving people in your name. And if that's you, you say yes to God. Yes, Lord. That's right. And I'm going to pray for all three categories. Would you put your hand in your heart right now as we pray? And as we do so, we are saying, God, I need you to help me. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as our hands are on our hearts, Lord, you know exactly what's going on in our hearts and you know what commitment we are making. For those who are saying, Lord, I want to begin to honour you with the first and best of my finances in terms of the first step 
of the tithe, Lord. May this be the beginning, Lord. May they, each of us, receive the strength to go and carry this out meticulously, carefully planning in such a way that we are always ready to give you our first and best. Father, for those who want to go to the next step, we thank you, O God, that this is the heart that you have given to us to touch the nations together. And for those who want to give of their time, Father, we pray for wisdom to evaluate our weekly schedules, our monthly schedules, so that we can truly give you our first and best and not the leftovers. Father, bless us, Lord. Enable us, because we are doing this as a response of gratitude to the gift of life that you have given to us and as an act of worship, because you have first given us your best. We thank you in Jesus' name.